you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations in each of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. We are here today coming off an emotionally charged weekend. I assume a lot of us are feeling that as we had our presidential inauguration on Friday, we have begun a new thing as a nation. And we know we probably all know people who traveled to DC to celebrate that or who traveled there to pay their respects to our outgoing first family or who traveled there to stand and be heard, as many did in our own city over the weekend. And we give thanks that for the most part these events were peaceful. And we give thanks that we have the freedom in the United States to gather and to speak and to be heard. But we are aware that we are a nation divided today And those of us gathered right here in our sanctuaries don't always agree politically or theologically. And some of us may be at peace today. Some of us may be anxious today. And some may feel some neutrality. Well, however we come here today, the good news is that we come here to remember the promises of God. To remember the life of Jesus. And and being baptized in Christ's name or professing aloud, we remember that we belong to a kingdom not of this world, the realm of God, but that we are called to live in this world and we have a a guide through the gospel that shows us how to do that so that we may take courage and come here and open to God's promises to trust them anew and to learn from our brother Jesus, who always points us to God. You may have seen the film, the Disney film, Moana. It's an animated film. I don't see many of those, but this one I've seen more than once. It's beautiful. It's based on a Polynesian myth, and it's a classic hero's journey, a tale of the call to adventure, setting out from what is known Being called to venture into what is unknown, the hero realizing along the way the need for help, for help from a power greater than themselves. The hero will face challenge, they will face a temptation to abort the mission and to go back home. But if they maintain the courage, they will keep going and they will be transformed and redeemed and they will come back and transform the world around them. All for the good. This is the hero's journey. In the film, we meet Moana, who's a young girl. She lives on an island in the South Seas. She's the first daughter of the chief of the island people. And she will become the next chief of the people. And as she grows into adolescence, the people discover that their island is dying. They are fishermen, and they grow crops. And within the reef that surrounds their island, the fish are no longer there. The crops are turning black to ash. 
And they learn that a demigod named Maui, some time ago, out of ego and selfishness and grabbing for power for himself, stole the heart of the island, of the earth, of the goddess named Tafiti. And without that heart, where it belongs, everything starts to die. So these people need someone to answer the call to adventure, the call to action, to save the island and the people and the world. They need to find the heart and replace it, returning it to its home, to Tefiti. Moana is chosen as a very little girl by the ocean that surrounds their island. She's chosen to go rescue the heart and return it to the goddess But this means she must sail beyond the safety of the reef. The people have never sailed beyond that reef. For many years ago, her father experienced a tragedy out beyond the reef, and he vowed never again to let his people go beyond the safety. But she was called, and she must go, and she was born with a spirit of adventure her father once knew, but now lie dormant. And in spite of her father's fears, she sets out on this journey. Jesus, too, follows the hero's story. He answers the call to adventure, the call to action. And where we find him in the story today, he has learned that his colleague, a fellow follower of God who's proclaiming the kingdom of God, John the Baptist, has been arrested. Jesus was likely a disciple of John and learning from him, and now he's beginning his own earthly ministry. And as he hears about the arrest, he sets to action. If we read the Gospel of Matthew, we will see that Matthew lays out the life of John and the life of Jesus in parallel form. What happens to John, we can expect to see will happen to Jesus. So with John in prison... Jesus knows there's no time to waste, for the kingdom of heaven is here. And he goes to work, and the first thing he does is leave home. He crosses the borders out of his hometown of Nazareth, and he moves north to settle on the north side of the Sea of Galilee, in the town of Capernaum. Jesus answers the call to adventure. The hero's journey always leads to disruption, both for the hero but also for the people who live around the hero, in the world where the hero is meant to change and transform. And Jesus does just that. His first words, repent, change your heart, change your lives, for the kingdom of God is here. And he sees four fishermen on the sea, and he says, follow me, and I will make you fish for people. For the journey of discipleship, is never a solo journey. And the journey of the hero is never by their own power alone. But they are out there equipping others and empowering others to also understand God's work of transformation. So this is God's work, making disciples who are called to go make more disciples and invite others into citizenship of the realm of God. Moana, too, did not venture out totally by herself. She took along Heihei, the tragically dumb village chicken, rooster. 
Hey, hey, it does not add much value to the journey except for the important factor of his very presence. We all know what it's like to have someone present on our journey with us, even if they are powerless to help us in any other way. But Moana also knows she needs an important person to complete this hero's journey. And that is the perceived enemy of her village or of even the world, the island, Maui, Maui, this demigod who stole the heart of the earth. So it's in first search of him that she goes because she does not know how to navigate the seas or how to find the heart, but he does. So it's him that she seeks out. She needs the help of others to learn how to navigate. Over the weekend, for those of us who listened to the inaugural speech by President Trump, what leapt at me in part was when Trump proclaimed, when you open your heart to patriotism, there is no room for prejudice. And you may agree or disagree with this statement, I believe it does have power to unify a community if you all are like-minded within a nation. So this may prove true for people who live within the borders of any nation. I do hear the call to unity here. But for me, in light of the gospel, I need to ask, as someone who seeks to follow the path of discipleship, how does patriotism or national loyalty, inform us about how to live with people of other nations or lands or cultures or those with whom we don't consider citizens of our nation. Patriotism, as we know, is not a bad thing, but certain definitions, in my experience, can lead to prejudice. And you may not agree with me, But in my experience, how can patriotism lead to that prejudice against people of other faiths or languages or tribes or cultures? What we see in the gospel, though, in light of this call to patriotism, as disciples, I understand Jesus calling us to be first and foremost citizens of God's realm, which will always look differently than the world's realm. We're called to be patriots to a loving God. And out of that flows our citizenship of our nation or wherever we live. And it teaches us how to be inviting as God's realm is. It teaches us about a realm that has no winners or losers or insiders or outsiders. In my experience, when I put my loyalty in anything above God, I become more like that and less like God. We see that in the Corinthian church in the passage we read. People who decided that Paul had the best answer or Cephas had the right answers. And they set up camps and they didn't even know they were doing it within their own community of faith. So Jesus called to repent is an invitation to enter a new way of being, to change our hearts and lives and open to God's expansive realm, to be students of this realm and invite others to come in. And this is the work we see Jesus do. 
He called those first four disciples. And then all along the way, he's calling the cast-offs and those who were scorned by society, those who were victims of prejudice. The work of Jesus and his disciples was always to fill the nets of God, to equip and encourage all of us to expand our world for the sake of God's realm. The journey of the hero is never without its challenges as we seek to answer the call, especially from God, for expansion. We see this in the story of Moana. Her journey on the open sea was treacherous. She finally does find the demigod Maui, the one deemed the enemy and the cause of all the trouble. And she says, I need your help. I don't know how to navigate this. Far from humble at first, Maui understands that without his help, they are all doomed. The hero's journey needs more than just one. So together they join to reach their goal, but they too have their conflicts, and Maui at one point says, I'm out of here. He's scared. And Moana is discouraged, and she stands on that boat by herself, looking at the ocean that called her on this mission. And she says, I can't do this anymore. Choose somebody else. And we know when we read the story in the Gospels that Jesus and every disciple along the way felt the same way on their hero's journey. And perhaps on our own journey of adventure, our own calls to action, we have felt despair. Or we surely will. For it's a challenging world. Some of us were born with the fearlessness of Moana and we say yes without much thought. But along the way we realize what we've gotten ourselves into with our yes. And we may raise our fist to God and say, not me. Or some of us think so hard and long we think ourselves right out of joy and right out of saying yes at all. And we may lower our heads with tears of fear and say, choose somebody else. But the good news is we have each other. The church in Corinth had one another. And as Paul reminds us, it's not a call that we all think alike or act alike, but we are called to do life together in unity. And we're called to not let any disturbance or conflict dim the light that Christ has within us to shine into the world. As we think about our own calls to action, our call to adventure today, how are you doing? How does it feel today? Are you hopeful or are you discouraged? And do you need some encouragement? Angela talked about interfaith hospitality. That's a call to action on our congregation every time we host. Perhaps that's an invitation on your call to adventure, to cross into a territory that's unfamiliar, but expanding that realm of God for yourself and our homeless guests. And every Sunday, some of you know, we gather at Third Church for lunch about 1.15, and you are welcome. That's the way we expand God's realm right here in Cincinnati, by going to dine with our neighbors. The hero's journey is about togetherness and expansion and that God will not forsake us.
Maybe your call will be to find someone you disagree with and invite them out for coffee or, or lunch and just to ask them, tell me about your life. Learn why they believe what they do. And likely you'll make a new friend and gain new understanding. As we seek to listen for the call to the hero's journey of discipleship, let's remember the promises we find in the scriptures today. The promise of God in Isaiah, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. It's a light that darkness will never overcome. Or the promise we hear through our sisters and brothers at the church in Corinth, that we are created uniquely and wonderfully, not to be identical, but to be in unity together in all our difference and beauty for the sake of expanding God's realm as the church. And we remember the promise of God in the gospel today, that open your hearts and minds to be changed by God's realm, and come and follow me and invite others to come. You will be changed. God's nets must be made full. And you will become teachers and preachers and healers that the world might know freedom in body, mind, and spirit. And let's remember God's ultimate promise we find at the very end of Matthew's Gospel where Jesus says, And remember, in all things I will be with you to the very end of the age. Friends, may this be good news for us as we seek with courage to say yes to the hero's journey God has for each and every one of us together. Amen.
Now together, let's affirm our faith. We believe in God, creator of earth, sea, and sky, and in Jesus Christ, Son of God, Son of Man, born of Mary's womb, faithful to the God of Abraham and Sarah. Jesus healed the sick, served the poor, and proclaimed heaven on earth, condemned by the religious, crucified by the state. He died but transformed even death and rose to life everlasting. He blessed the disciples, men and women, with the Holy Spirit and sent them forth east and west, north and south. We believe that as the church, we are called to the way of Jesus, to journey together as brothers and sisters, to carry out Christ's mission of love and reconciliation in the world, in the grace of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Friends, each week when we give our offering, we have a chance to further God's realm of peace and love and justice. So as we give, let us worship God this morning. <laughs> 